0: Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Oracle.
1: Now, here's your host, Brian Moran.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast, sponsored by Oracle. I'm Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome Carla Johnson to our podcast. Carla is the CEO of Type A Communications, a keynote speaker, and the author of seven books, including her latest one called Experiences the seventh era of marketing. Carla is also a member of the SMB Experts, a panel comprised of today's top SMB thought leaders and sponsored by Oracle. Welcome to the show, Carla Johnson.
1: Thanks for having me today, Brian.
0: Carla, it's my pleasure. Actually, uh, you and I have probably worked together for about a year or so now, and I have to tell you, I'm a big fan of your work. Oh, thank you. Sure. It seems like I learned something new every time we talk, or I hear you on another podcast, or I read one of your blog posts um, about branding and about innovation and about the things that companies need to do in order to be successful in today's massively disrupted world.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, and it is so interesting. There's so much change going on, and a lot of companies they're not sure what they should pay attention to, what what relates to them in their world, and it's hard to keep track of everything.
0: Right, and 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 that's going to be part of the theme of uh, our podcast today. So so let's talk about that. I want I want to focus a little bit on innovation in business today. So, you know, in the age of this massive digital transformation and disruption, where do you see the best ideas coming from in business?
1: You know, um, I'm gonna answer that from two perspectives. So the first one is that I see the businesses who are making the most most innovative leap forward. They're looking at what's going on outside of their industry because whenever we focus too much on our industry, it tends to put blinders on us and we miss opportunities to stand out and show up differently. Um, because we're, our, our pool of comparison is so much the same as, as um, what we are as a business. And then the second place, you know, out, um, first is outside mm-hmm. of our industry. The second place is within our company. It's the employees who work the closest with our customers, because our customers, um, I, I actually had a, a gentleman who I interviewed about this. His name was Kerry Smith from Big Ass Fans. He said, your customers will tell you the answers to everything you need if you just listen to them. And that has to go beyond data and analytics and and all the digital things that we tend to, to track in this digital world. And it has to focus on what is it that we're hearing from people face-to-face when we go out and spend time in their world. So it's not just about sitting in a conference room with them, although that's a lot better than sitting in your office and looking at data and analytics about them. It's about going out and spending time in their shoes and seeing what their day is like. Because when we start to do that, then we start to see opportunities for innovation that even they don't see. Or you hear stories about challenges that they have that would never, ever come up in other conversations. That's naturally. such a great
0: point. And, and, We actually talked about that in a previous podcast that I had with Brian Kramer, who you know, and who's one of our fellow SMB experts um, about the need to have that human to human component in business. And so what you're talking about is being able to read between the, the lines or between the data points to really understand what your customers are saying in terms of their needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, the other Brian, Brian with a Y is so great at that because just reminding people to put that human element back in to the business that we're in, any business that we're in, reminds people that you can only add the human element by being with other people. And there really isn't any substitute for that. And I learned that as a great lesson early in my career. I worked for architects and you can't design a building without going out and understanding the people who will use it Mm -hmm. and what you want to create for them. But as marketers and business owners, we often forget that because we get so wrapped up in the efficiency and making sure we get things out and done and all of that. But we forget who that's ultimately for. And that's our customers.
0: That's, I like that. I, we're off to a great start with our podcast. Um, <laughs> Good. And, and it's funny. In another podcast with Andrew Sherman, also an SMB expert panel member, We t- he, he wrote a book called The Crisis of Disengagement. He talked about the apathy and disengagement in the workforce today. The fact that, according to Gallup, uh, two-thirds of all workers are either disengaged or actively disengaged. So in a company of 100 employees, that's that's 67 of your employees are just, they don't have the finger on the pulse of what's happening either in the company or with the customers. So knowing that your most innovative ideas are going to come from listening to your customers, What what can business leaders do today to either re-energize their employees or get them to understand the importance of being not only engaged, but actively engaged?
1: You know, I um, Andrew makes such a strong point, and I absolutely love his book because people don't realize that. Um, in order to connect with customers, we have to connect with employees first. So if we're looking at what we need to do, the first thing that we have to help employees understand is what is it that our company stands for. You know, what what's the difference that they're making by showing up at work every day? And there's a story about when um, John F. Kennedy was president, and he went to NASA to see firsthand what was going on with the space program. And, um, he went over and, you know, saw a janitor in the hallway and he went over to him and he said, Hey, you know, I'm John F. Kennedy. And I just wanted to say hello and thanks for your work. And, you know, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm putting a man on the moon. So, it's when we look at the work that we're doing with a much bigger purpose. I can tell you that janitor got really excited every day he got out of bed to go to work because he had something bigger that he was helping to support. And the same is true with other companies. And it helps to communicate that purpose over and over again because people need to be reminded of why they're here. It can't be a branding kind of initiative that you just launch and leave. It has to be something that you continually reinforce with employees.
0: So what I'm hearing you saying is that within companies, team leaders or business owners, they need to share their BHAG, right? Their big, hairy, audacious goal uh, and, and get their employees excited about coming to work each and every day, knowing that they'll play an integral role, whether you're a receptionist or a janitor or the person leading the project and and they need to get them side, excited and also sharing that innovative idea that they're they put together
1: you- Yeah, absolutely. Share it and have them be a participant in it. So I was um, at a conference this week, and I was talking about how to create that culture of innovation within organizations. And afterward, I had a gentleman come up, and he was a director of innovation for a company in Texas. And one of the things that I talk about is there's companies that innovate, and there's innovative companies. So the companies that innovate tend to focus on the product or the service that they sell but the innovative companies, they're different because they understand that great ideas come from every place. And companies that innovate those products or services, they tend to have teams and that's their specific responsibility. And if you ask anyone else in the organization for an idea about how to do something better or approach a a customer situation better, they say, well, that's not my responsibility, Mm -hmm. that's that group over there, that's the innovation group. But companies that are innovative, they understand this. It's like a democracy of ideas. And not only are is everyone free to bring ideas to the table, they're expected to bring great ideas to the table. So this director of innovation came up and talked to me and he said, "I I just wish my company could understand that because everybody in it is looking to me to solve every single problem. And you can't do that. It's just like, um, everybody is in marketing in an, in an organization because we all represent the brand. Well, everybody needs to be responsible for bringing great ideas to the table. And so when we see that in a team dynamic, teams tend to look to team leaders and say, okay, they're going to tell us what to do. But we need to raise that expectation now that we have employees who understand, you know, the difference that our company makes in the lives of our customers. Now we need to say, you need to know the customer because we expect you to bring the new ideas to the table, because it can't just be one small group of and, people.
0: And I know those companies; I've worked at, the, at those companies. <laughs> and, and a lot of times, it's they have silos. They built these silos up, and marketing does marketing, and sales does sales, and IT does IT, and never, you know, the twain shall meet. Uh, right? So, so the so the, it sounds like the companies, the innovative companies, are the ones who have either figured out never to build silos in the first place, or they've torn them down.
1: Right. They're much more collaborative, and there's always going to be areas of emphasis of responsibility. You'll always have that. But we need to make the... Um, we need to diffuse the lines between what groups are and how we communicate with them. And then that feeds back into making sure people know why we come to the office every day mm. and consistently communicating that. Because when we share the success or the contribution that finance has made or that IT has made or marketing then we all see how it adds into the collective. It's not just one group's responsibility and I don't need to pay attention to what they're doing because this is my responsibility. You know, that turns into a a mentality of that's not my job. And that's never healthy for employee engagement. You know, those numbers that Andrew talks about.
0: Now are you familiar with the movie miracle about the 1980 us hockey team?
1: I, I, I am. I have heard it. I've never seen
0: it. All right. Well, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's such a great movie and uh you're reminding me of a scene in the movie so these are all hockey you know college age kids 18 19 20 years old and um they were brought together to win the olympic gold and it was taking place at lake placid in new york and uh but the russians were a prohibitive favorite right they they had just beaten the um nhl all stars you know they crushed them in a game and and uh but the the coach of the team brings everybody together and they played a lousy game and they're all kind of joking around afterwards and he had them skate up and down the ice for hours and he would say to somebody who do you play for and he said what's your name and who do you play for and he said my name is you know Joe Smith and I play for Boston University and he'd blow the whistle and he' make him skate again and he'd say to the next guy who do you play for um, I'm Tom Adams and I play for Wisconsin and he kept doing it over and over again. And finally, the captain of the team said, um, oh, and I'm going to blank on his name so bad. Um, but I'm, you know, the captain of the team and I play for the United States of America. And he said, OK, gentlemen, hit the showers. And it was
1: Oh, there you go. It's such a
0: great moment in the movie because you realize it's, you know, as he said later on in the movie, you know, the name on the front of the shirt is a hell of a lot more important than the name on the back. And it's that one common goal. You're a team. You play it as a team. You work as a team. And we ultimately know what happens. They beat the Russians. They beat Finland. They win the gold medal. A huge underdog.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's a great story that also tells another part of all of this is that when we're under pressure, we default to our habits. Yes. So we say, you know, um, uh, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, you're only as innovative as what your habits are, and so we say, okay, yes, we're going to be innovative, and we de- we take time, especially we see this at year end. Okay, we're going to do brainstorming for a new 2018 2019 strategy, or we're going to launch a product, or we're going to do branding, and it's going to be innovative. And that's the only time we do it. So it's not a habit. So it's not smooth. It's not practice. It's not a muscle that we know. But when we practice it, even you know, like this hockey team over and over and over again, you do it until it's ingrained in your mind. And then when you need to draw on it, you don't have to think about it. That's just what
0: you do. So now, now the, this type of mentality or company culture, is it exclusive to certain industries? Is it You know, does company size matter? You know, these are the questions that I know the listeners are probably thinking, oh, that that wouldn't play well in my industry or that's not going to play in my company of 20 or 40 or 60 employees.
1: You know, I actually have a label for what happens when people hear stories like this and they start to say, That would never work in my industry. It would never work in my company, you know, because my boss is too cheap or she's a jerk or, you know, what I sell is different or we don't have the kind of budgets that a, you know, a GE or an Amazon or something like that has. And I call it brand detachment disorder. And it's this tendency that people have to dismiss the relevancy of great ideas that they hear because they think that what they sell or what they do or who they are. Is different and unique and it wouldn't apply. But what we can do with innovation and, and getting new ideas into our companies is that we can look at like what's the true essence behind this great idea and how does it apply to our brand. So, you know, take that idea, distill what it's all about, and then relate it into our brand. And unless we do that, what happens is that we become guilty of trying to copy and paste ideas. Mm. And that's just when things look really awkward. So like, for instance, Apple, we know how successful they've been in music and in computers and and in so many different devices. But a number of years ago, Dell tried to step into the music industry with a player and nobody believed it. And it was because, you know, they didn't have a story people believed in and what they tried to do was just copy and paste you know, let's create a music player because that's, that, that's what Apple's doing and that's what we have to do. Instead of saying, okay, what is it about Apple and what they're doing that has a broader meaning that we could relate to what we do so that when we bring innovative ideas to the table, they're more authentic to our brand. And that part about understanding the essence behind an idea and truly looking into how it relates to your brand it's hard to do, but that's where all the magic happens. So
0: I'm I'm the owner of a company. I may have 75 employees, and I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we're we're almost halfway through the year, and you know, I, I've hit a couple of uh, road, you know, speed bumps along the way, and I just need my team to buckle down and you know, forge ahead so that we don't fall further behind. It is, you know, is that something that, that you can say, okay, do that for now, but at some point you're going to want to bring the team together to look at the big picture? Uh, is, it, is it okay if I say, okay, I'll buy into this, but I need time to get back maybe on more solid ground or let me finish out, you know, what we started here before I, you know, completely, you know, Upset the apple cart in my business because in some cases that's what it's going to take for a company to change their course or direction. Is that they're going to they're they're going to tell people the way you've been doing things for the last three or five or seven years is that's going to change. So can can we plant the seed now and say you know in three months six months we're going to look at, at changing the way we do business or do they simply say innovation is here. We need to address it. Let's make the changes.
1: Like for me, and I don't care what size of a company, because I have a company I'm working with now that's five people. And I've worked with companies that have 150,000 employees. It's not about how fast you do it. It's about how well you do it. And if you do it really well, really well, and even in big companies, you can't force change too much. And I learned this from a fabulous boss early in my career who tried to force change too quickly in an organization. And he said, it's like trying to uh, turn a huge ocean liner. You just get your arms ripped off and it's going to keep going the direction it's going. And you're going to, you know, lay there mutilated and helpless. (laughs) But if you look at how how you can keep making those tiny, small course corrections, because in anything that has momentum, you set the destination of where you want to get, but you constantly make these little course corrections along the way. So for companies, you know, small companies, I think, especially if they say, you know, we we have so much to do, we don't have time to do this. What they fall victim to is that they're so focused on doing the work that they don't focus on understanding whether or not it's the right work to Mm -hmm. do. So if you can stop and just take pause, and it doesn't mean turning your whole world or your whole business upside down to look at things, it means just, you know, let's let's course correct. Is this where, are we doing the things that we need to be doing? And be willing to say no and stop some things. I know even me as a one person business owner who has a small team that I work with, Um, I I constantly have to do that because we get caught up in this process of, you know, this is what we do. Oh, and now this would be good too. So let's add this on. And oh, I think that would be great. And our customers would love that. And we keep piling the things on the wagon and it starts to look like those wily coyote Mm -hmm. wagons where it's, you know, tops Mm -hmm. of turvy and ready to fall. And all we have to do is keep revisiting. What is it we're trying to accomplish? Because when you go back to that story and, you know, back to the janitor at NASA, he knew what he was there for. And that gives people the north star of where they're headed. And it helps them not just understand what to say yes to, but what's more importantly, what to say no to.
0: So let, let's do this for our listeners. Let's let's talk about an innovative idea and what it would take to get it to the starting line, right? For a company today.
1: Yeah, sure. I'll give you an example. So I was in San Francisco this week and I was uh, walking down the street and um, here's the process that I use is that I try to just go out to some place that is different from my office, that's away from, um, you know, people I see or talk to every day into a new environment. So I was walking down Market Street toward the Ferry Building in San Francisco. And one of those double-decker buses drove by, you know, the sightseeing ones where it's covered under and and on top it's open. And I was watching people up there and they were turning around and they were looking at things in all directions and they were taking pictures and you could tell they were having a great time. And I watched this go down the street and around the corner. And I said, you know what those tour companies look to do is to give people a better view of where they're at. And as I was standing there in the moment thinking of that, that's when I started to relate it into my brand with some work that I'm focusing on right now is how do I give the people that I serve a better view of what they're at? And so once I understand that as a bigger context for the work that I do, now I can start to generate ideas that are stronger, more powerful and relate to the brand that I have, you know, helping people architect great stories, helping them deliver legendary experiences. And then it's a way to bring in freshness. In a way that helps the ideas be new and unique and different. And then I can start to see how they play out. But when all we do is start with, let's start generating ideas, Mm. we don't have any context. Um, That's where you do a lot of copy and paste from other industries. But even just that little quick process that I went through can help any business owner of any size.
0: But they need to have, they need to be committed to it and not just motivated by it.
1: Absolutely, because that's what makes all the difference in the long run of whether or not any idea or any initiative is sustainable.
0: Right. The the, the the people and you need to get the buy-in from everybody on your team, especially the team leaders, the department leaders, to say, you know, share your vision of where you want your company to be or what this innovative idea can do for your business, and and get their commitment. Because there will be a time a couple of weeks later, a month, two months later, where if you start to lose momentum on the idea and it starts to fall on people, the backburners of, you know, most people in the, in the company, you lose that steam, you lose that momentum and then you just, it dies. It dies a terrible death.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then when you try to get the momentum going again, one, you don't have trust of employees because in the back of their head, they're going, oh, here we go again. Um, They don't trust you. It takes, if you're trying to build trust, it takes longer time to get that flywheel going. And so executives are going, why can't we get people on board? And it has to be a commitment so that they see that you are actually going to follow through with it.
0: Right. And so I think of, you know, going back to that NASA, Analogy: um, The uh, I, I gave a talk. I actually, I gave it the talk at a conference that you uh, introduced me to. Uh, yeah. The, uh, but I, and I talked about how, you know how hard it is to run a business, and I compared it to launching a rocket into outer space, and uh, what something that's called escape velocity that a a rocket ship needs to generate. You know, needs to be going twenty five thousand miles an hour in order to break through the Earth's gravitational pull and launch itself into outer space. And it it would seem to me like an innovative idea or changing the way you do things at a company, it needs to have that same thrust that that once you get into outer space, once you get beyond the gravitational pull of everybody in your company saying, no, I wanna go back to my comfort zone, then you're kind of free to move about wherever you wanna go with a lot less effort.
1: Yeah. You know, and that's just it. And the ability to get people on that trajectory is critical. And the way you do it is the stories that you tell that bring people along. So help them understand, you know, where are we at today? How is it actually a threatening place to be and where we need to be that safe is the future. And you bring people along on an idea journey by telling them a story and it's stories that you have to tell over and over again, and then give them evidence of making progress Mm. because that's when they start to build trust and they say, okay, well, what I am doing actually contributes to this. And I have tangible evidence of that happening.
0: This is, I I love the way this all came together because I know if I'm listening to this as a business owner or the, uh, an executive in a, in an entrepreneurial company, It's given me kind of it's it it will help me go back now to my team and say, okay, you know, I want us to start being instead of a company that has innovative ideas, I want us to be an innovative company. And here's how we're going to do it.
1: Exactly. Yep. All
0: right. Let's switch gears just a little bit because I do want to talk about experiences. Tell me, I'm so I'm I'm a a business owner. I'm I'm an executive in an entrepreneurial company, and I and I go by uh, you know a bookstore, and I see experiences, the seventh era of marketing. Tell me why I'm picking it up.
1: You know the biggest reason that you're picking it up, if you're a marketer or a business owner, is to understand how you need to look at marketing your business. So traditionally people think of marketing as the brochure people, the golf t-shirt people, the person who throws out the mat at a trade show or a you know something that you have as a local event. They don't think of marketing as something that drives the business. And it's really the experiences that marketing delivers is what stand, makes a company stand out in, to, in today's world because we know from consumers, it's not just millennials, it's consumers of every age we hear this from, is that the experience that they have with a brand makes much more of a difference than the product or sell, service that a, that a company sells. And in fact, people are more willing to pay more money to do business with a brand that has a great experience than one that has a great product. And, you know, where do we spend our time and money? You know, we keep looking at how can we add more bells and whistles to our to our products? Hmm. And when we talk about experiences, you know, there's the whole idea of, of customer experience and making sure you have those right touch points along the customer journey, which is so important. But when we look at just the customer journey, um, we just see people who we think uh, want to buy our product. So there's the buyer journey, which is when people have identified a specific need and they're looking for a specific product. We can expand that into a customer journey when we look at what is a customer's world like, you know, back to the early part of our conversation today and understanding their world. And then with experiences, what we can start to do is understand where we can add value. So this is where we see even small businesses start to do tremendous things with content. And, you know, one of my, one of my favorite examples is a guy called the chicken whisperer. And that's, that's his website, the And it was a guy who just loved chickens. And he started to, to grow them in his backyard in the small town in the South. And He was looking for answers to his questions and he couldn't really find any. So, you know, he put together this community, then he started a blog. I mean, this guy has made millions of dollars through the magazine. I mean, there's a chicken whisperer magazine now, there's a radio show, there's a book, you know, about how to do backyard chicken raising. And it's, you know, he's, he's a one person guy. And so what he looked at is how can you use content? How can you deliver value to your audience in a way um, that redefines how you look at the content that you create. So instead of the golf balls and the, you know, floor mats at the trade shows and the brochures and things. How can you create something that adds value, that creates that emotional connection? So that's what he's done with his radio show and his magazine. And we see in companies, small companies, big companies, that this approach to marketing and how they position their brand actually turns marketing into a revenue generating part of the business.
0: Now, is that so I'm thinking, again, in terms of being a business owner, that it would play better in a business-to-consumer world than a business-to-business world, some of these niche industries. But what I know, I think you're going to tell me, is that in those niche industries, it's actually a greater opportunity to stand out.
1: You know, it's, it's a great opportunity to stand out whatever industry you're in, you know, whether you're in something that's very much the same, um, and you can be B2B or B2C. I think that consumer brands are more likely to do it because I think they have more interaction with their customers because their buying process is a smaller amount of time compared to B2B. But I think with B2B, you have a tremendous opportunity to stand out um, in ways that you didn't imagine. So I take Schneider Electric. All they did is they have this group of engineers and when customers have questions, they just blog about it. And they have this blog called Ask an Engineer, Wow. And it's not about selling the products and services that Schneider has. It's about, let's just answer people's questions. And they find that that is such a tremendous resource for people. And so that's some, something anybody of any size company can do. Answer the questions that your people have. And just remember the most important questions aren't about what you sell it's about what matters to them in their life. So that goes back to why you need to have that face-to-face that human interaction to really understand what matters to them in their world.
0: So we we are in the home stretch of this podcast, which is amazing because I feel like literally we just got started. So it's such <laughs> great information though for business owners and business executives and I want to kind of wrap it up in a ball so that they Right after they're done listening to their podcast, they're assembling their you know executive team or their advisors, and they're saying, "Listen, I got a couple of the key takeaways from this podcast I just listened to, and I want them. I want to put them into action in our company. So let's let's give them some nuggets that they can start writing down and implementing today. Uh, let's let's talk about first uh, introducing innovation, I- I- I becoming an innovative company."
1: Sure. I think the most important thing there is to understand that everybody in your company has a responsibility for great ideas, not just a small siloed group.
0: Right. So talk to the janitor, ask them what they do. Exactly. I love it. I yep. love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then in terms of marketing, marketing your business and, and your products and services.
1: Is look at what are the questions that people may ask before they ever identify a product or a service that they would need. Because the more you can become helpful and valuable earlier in the process, the more they'll trust you and the more they'll rely on you.
0: So in in if I can provide an overarching theme here. What we're really talking about is changing your mindset from reactive to proactive. Absolutely. Answer the questions before they get asked. Play the what if game and 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 talk to your customers.
1: And what brands will find out is that this actually ends up being more cost effective it gets results and interaction and returns much faster, and they have a, a much bigger audience that they can draw from for a prospective customer base.
0: Wow! Well, I know any CFOs listening right now are are smiling.
1: <laughs> They're going, "Yeah, baby, yeah. I want there some of that." There you go.
0: Cost effective. You're t- you're speaking <laughs> exactly. my language. Okay.
1: <laughs> you know, because when, when marketers go in to get budget, the first thing the CFO wants to know is, you know, what's this going to get? Right. Me?
0: What's the ROI? And that's
1: what. Well, yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right.
0: So if people want to connect with you, and, and I hope that anybody who has any questions, uh, that they reach out to Carla because she is absolutely brilliant and she's engaging and she has some great ideas to help businesses run better companies. So I'm I'm a listener. I want to reach out to you after this podcast. What's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: You know, my email is Carla with a C at type a communications.com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you heard about uh, me and you heard about Brian from our podcast today. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Carla Johnson.
0: Excellent. And uh, by the way, if you Google her, you'll see a bunch of interviews you've done, blog posts you've written, uh, uh, speeches you've given. So you can learn more and more if you just watch those and read those. And if they wanted to buy your book, it's Experiences, the Seventh Era of Marketing.
1: And you can find that on Amazon.
0: Right. And along with your six other books.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks so much, Brian. Yeah.
0: This, this was fantastic. I, I appreciate your time today, Carla. And I hope that we can get you back on our podcast uh, later in the year to talk more about innovation, marketing, branding, and how to run better businesses.
1: Well, I would love that. Thank you.
0: All right. And everyone else, uh, enjoy your day and make the most of it. And take these uh, nuggets that we've given you and put them into your business today. Take care. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Oracle. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.